the ABC's word wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Raleigh Sussex. It's that time of the day, the ABC's word wizard, Rolly Sussex, OAM, Emeritus Professor from the School of Languages and Cultures at the University of Queensland, is here willing and able to talk with you about words, language and linguistics. one 612 That's the number that you can call, one 612 if you have a question about Language. A question like Eva from St. Sebastian's Primary School. Eva here, and I was wondering how language began. What a question, and we're going to hear from some more of Eva's classmates in a moment, but we'd better hear from you first. Professor Rowley Sussex, how would you even begin answering a question like Eva's? Hello. Well, very cautiously, because we weren't there to observe it. And in fact, the oldest written records we have are about 3000 BC. And the best guess at the moment is that language arose once in Africa, somewhere between 150,000 years ago, and then spread out all the way around the world after that. Now, that's an awfully long spread, and if you think that Aboriginal people probably got to Australia maybe 60,000 years ago, their language was one of the first ones that had moved out, obviously. Anyway, there have been lots of guesses about how language began, and I'll give you three of the most common ones, and we can think about whether they're plausible or not. Oh, of course. Um, the first one is the Bow Wow Theory. Um, and that says we started language by imitating the noise of animals and the things around us. So you can imagine a couple of, uh, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Ogden in number one cave road. And they went out to try and get some dinner and they saw some ducks on the pond and they went quack, quack. And if they made a very good quack, the ducks might swim into range and they could grab them and put them in the pot for dinner. So their idea, their, their, there was a sort of idea about imitating animal noises and then turning that into the names of um, animals. And for example, I have a cat, a Siamese cat, and his name is Mao. And in Chinese, that is also the, na- the noise that a cat makes. So this is the way names of animals kind of, you know, that's a moo animal, that's a wolf animal and so on. So that's the bow-wow theory. And then there's the poo-poo theory, uh, which says language started by expressing emotions and interjections. In other words, you know, uh, you uh, picked up a bit of of dreadfully off meat and uh, tried to eat and it was no good and you went there. And it may be that some of the early words had to do with approving things, expressing love or interest or, you know, closeness to people or, you know, negative things like, Bad meat. So there's the bow wow theory and the poo poo theory, and then there's the yo heave ho theory. And that says maybe language started by people wanting to do something together. In other words, you know, there's a, a dinosaur down in the valley, and if we manage to roll this big stone down and knock it out, we can have some of that for dinner. So yo heave ho, let's see if we can push the rock over. And so it was a means of trying to get people to collaborate to do things in as a group rather than than on their own. So the bow wow theory, the poo poo theory, and the yo heave ho theory. 
there was so much controversy about this that the Linguistic Society of, of Paris, about 1860-something, forbade any further speculation because it was entirely guessing and no one knew how because you know, it wasn't until tens of thousands of years later that we can even have an idea about what language was like when it all got together. What we do know is that nowadays there are about 6,900 languages still alive and of those, about one-third have been written down. And the other two-thirds, so that's over 4,000, are being transmitted by word of mouth from older people to younger people. And if they, you know, if they start dying out, then the transmission isn't taking place and the language dies. And it looks likely that big languages like English and Chinese and Russian and French and Spanish will do fine. But after, a, and after the next hundred years, we may have lost a big proportion of those 6,900 languages, all of which probably started from just one source in Africa. How magnificent when you think about how connected we all are, really, and mm -hmm. also um, how sad to think about the loss of so many languages, Rolly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I'm afraid, no, those two-thirds that haven't been written down depend very much on the ability of people to pass on the language and their stories and their songs and their traditions to the younger folks. And, of course, the Aboriginal people do it in all sorts of complicated stories about the dream time. And that's a great bit of history. And now, of course, many of these languages have been written down as well, so we can record the things uh, with them. But uh, a lot of languages have died out. But it is, it is odd, you think, you know, in, in not really a very long period, so many languages that are totally different. And, you know, virtually you can't understand Chinese or Japanese if you start from English unless you study it. So they've grown from a single source into so many different different languages which are totally incomprehensible to other people. On ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland, it is about 20... Three minutes past two. My name is Kat Feeney and you are with Professor Rolly Sussex, the ABC's Lord of Language, who is happy to take your calls and answer your questions about language on 1300 222 612. That's 1300 222 612. We're also hearing this afternoon from some of the bright young minds at St Sebastian's Primary School in South East Queensland. Uh, more of their questions in in a moment, but to Spring Hill now and Danny. Hello, Danny. You've got a question for Rolly. What oh, would you like hello. to know? <laughs> hello, Kat. Hi. My question is, when did the word preparedness sort of pop up? Because I always thought it was preparation, unless I missed that day at school, please. Okay. Um, preparation can mean the act of preparing. I'm going to do my preparation, which comes out as prep, of course, if you're at school. Um, the preparation for this uh, event took us three months, and that means the things that we did in order to make sure that it happened when we got to the day. Preparedness means something slightly different. It means that you are alert and uh, attentive and ready for something to happen when you're kind of expecting it. So um, we were all in preparedness for uh, the arrival of the comet. I had my telescope and camera out uh, and we were going to take pictures. Now, that's not quite the same as preparation and you see how they differ. I do. Yeah, just that I'd, I'd never really heard it until about the last 
couple of years. Mm -hmm. I could, if you will wait until next week, I can give you a date from the Oxford Dictionary oh. when it first popped up. But mm -hmm. my guess is it's probably at least 300 years old. We'll find oh. out. I wasn't listening. Clearly, I was away that day. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Good on you, Danny. Thank you, Danny at Spring Hill, Margaret at Harvey Bay. Hello, Margaret. Hello, Kate. How are you going? Fine, thank you. Good. What would you like to know? I'd like to know why we say a pair of trousers, mm. but a shirt, a single single tent shirt, because a yep. trousers has two left fits on two legs, and a shirt fits on two arms. Mm -hmm. And a head, for that matter. Um, yeah, there's a kind of agreement, and this is actually in lots of languages, at least in Europe, uh, that things below the below the waist are plural, like trousers and knickers and bloomers and tracky dacks and so on. Um, and the, the the plural idea comes from the fact that there's two legs and a torso going into them. Above the waist, we tend to have singulars. So it's a shirt and a T-shirt and a skivvy and, and all those things. Um, interestingly, by the way, in French, the word for it, trousers, is un pantalon, which is singular. And you can, in some shops nowadays, I think particularly more upmarket shops, Kat, you would know better than I would, oh. You can they, they offer you a pant rather than pants. Quite. Yes. And slacks sometimes. Yeah. Uh, not, I think, in men's shops where there's still trousers and pants and things. So it's, it's, it's just the way history has grown up, I'm afraid. And below the waist, they're plural, and above the waist, they're singular. And it's very odd. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that. Okay, welcome. Thank you, Margaret. 25 minutes past two. Professor Rolly Sussex with you. You're on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. My name is Kat. Rolly is with you. Yes, it's a Wednesday. Don't worry. You haven't missed a day. It's not a Thursday words day. Rolly has obliged us by joining us on a Wednesday, a whole day early today. And if you have a question about language for Rolly, the phone number is one three hundred triple two six twelve. Of course, Rolly, our uh, school children often miss the opportunity to speak with you because they are usually at school during the time when you are on with us, which is why it's wonderful to have schools submit questions from classes to you. We've already heard from Eva at St. Sebastian's Primary. She is in year six. Uh, this is a school in Yoronga. We have another question from one of Eva's classmates. This is uh, what Sasha would like to know. Hi, my name is Sasha and my question is, what is the easiest language to learn? Oof. Good oh. question. These questions are terrific. What would you say, Choose Raleigh? one of 6,900. Okay. <laughs> it, it all depends where you start from. Because, for example, most of the languages in Europe come from the same parent language. And so they have a lot of things which are similar. And in addition, they've actually borrowed words from each other a lot. So that uh, English has its about 30% of its vocabulary, nearly a third of its words come from French. So learning French from the point of view of vocabulary is a lot easier than, say, learning Chinese, which I've just started doing. And Chinese is hard because it's a totally different language family. It's got a different writing system. They use characters, not an alphabet. And they've also got tones. So that in Chinese, ma, 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 and ma are four different words. And you've got to listen for the tones to make different words. And so the more different the language is, the harder it's going to be to learn. The easiest one for English is, I think, 
probably something like French or possibly Spanish or Italian because they come from the same family of languages, they're called Romance languages, um, that grew up when Latin split into different languages and a lot of their words have ended up in English so we can recognize, um, you know, in, in French for example, um, invention is invention and, and that's really easy for us to, to start to get a handle on some of the words. If you're talking about the grammar, though, the easiest language would probably be Dutch, uh, because that's just across the channel, and it was one of the closest languages to English when England was actually uh, invaded by the Angles and the Saxons and the Jutes around about 450 AD, and they brought with them the English language. And there is, in fact, a group of little languages called Frisian, F-R-I-S-I-A-N, uh, which are in the north of Holland and the northwest of Germany. And they're actually the closest of all to English, but they're quite small. And if you want to learn, a, if you like, a national language, Dutch is probably the easiest one to go for. Well, there you go, Sasha. I hope that helps you. And of course, we'll be sharing this segment with the students of St. Sebastian's Primary School at Yoronga. So they'll be able to hear your answers, Rolly, if you're a parent or grandparent of a bright young mind who has endless questions about language and linguistics, and you would like to get your school on board and uh, accessing Professor Rolly Sussex, then all you need to do is send through an email to me directly, uh, and you can do so through this email address afternoons.brisbane at abc.net.au half past two plenty of your questions still coming through this afternoon so let's travel now Rolly to the Sunshine Coast where Trevor has a point to put to you. G'day Trev what's up? Yeah, good afternoon Kat and Rolly um, my dad was uh, in the Australian Army during the Second World War and served in New Guinea and um the word lieutenant to him was most yes. definitely lieutenant. Yes. Well, how does it get lieutenant? There's no GH or F or yeah, H or. Fair enough. It comes from a French word, lieutenant, which means someone holding a place, so that, you know, he was some way up the promotion route, but not all the way up there yet. And in the. Um, the Army and the Air Force in Australia, it's called lieutenant following the British. Uh, and I think the lieutenant, it's a bit difficult to say there are sounds which don't occur in English. And um, hundreds of years ago in England, they just put in an F and that was that kind of stuck. However, in the Navy, it's lieutenant, lieutenant, uh, even though it's spelt exactly the same way. And in America, they have lieutenant, I think, uh, which doesn't have the F. It's one of the things which separates us from uh, them. So the, the F in lieutenant is Army and Air Force in Australia, and it's borrowed from the Brits who were trying to get the French right and didn't quite make it. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. So it's, there you go. It's just a uh, hand-me-down. It's never been a, a word. It's never been a, a letter in there that's got dropped. No, no, there never was an F. We provided one, I think, because maybe someone in the armed forces couldn't say the French and they mispronounced it, and it kind of stuck. Sometimes these mistakes just take root, and then they propagate and then become standard, and that's what's happened here. <laughs> yeah, my dad was very upset about that. It was lieutenant. It was lieutenant. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, thank you. Good on you, okay, Trevor. Okay, you're welcome, Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. Uh, to the scenic rim and Sandra. Hello, Sandra. What would you like to know? Hi, Kat. Um, since the pandemic, I've heard the use of the word freedoms, plural with an S, but had never heard that 
used before. Oh, Has yeah. that always been around? Well, I only ever heard of freedom. Mm. Yeah, well spotted. Um, yeah, no, the, the very, there are various freedoms. You know, freedom of the press, freedom of the person, freedom of worship, and so on. And they've actually been part of, say, philosophy and politics and so on for hundreds of years. But we tend to talk mainly about freedom in the singular as being the general property of not being constrained and being able to do what you want when you want. So the freedoms have become important um, in the pandemic as various activities have become available. You know, you, you can join, meet together with other people in groups of more than 10. You can go to the football. You can go for exercise more than 5Ks from home and so on. So these became little aspects of freedom, different ways of expressing it. And that's where we got the, um, the, the little burst of, of plurals. There is actually a piece of software which I will look at between now and next week and you can plot the various forms of words over time and I'll see if we've actually got evidence that freedoms has become much more common since about February, March 2020. Correct. Thanks for letting me know. Good Thanks, one. Thanks, Charlie. Bye. Yeah. Thank you to Sandra. Uh, my name is Kat Feeney. You're on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland where it's coming up to 25 minutes to three. Professor Rolly Sussex with you having a word in your ear. Rolly, I think we have time for one more question from St. Sebastian's Primary right. School at okay. Yoronga. Uh, this is what Bronte would like some help with, please. Hi, my name is Bronte. No English words and with V. Why? Why? Gosh, I love these questions. Why, Rolly? Why? Why? Yeah. San Sebastian, the, 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 the kids are really asking why questions very, very, in a very pertinent way. Okay, um, there are some words that, that end in V, but most of them are shortened firms, forms, like lav for lavatory um, and gov for governor and so on. Uh, there's a the word rav, R-A-V, which is the name of a sort of a car now, and there's a Chav, C-H-A-V, which is a British word for a bogan, you know, someone who um, doesn't behave in a very educated sort of way. So there are a few words. What is interesting is that the V sound is certainly available at the end of a word if you put an E after it. So live and live and verve and swerve and rave and arrive and save, and trove, and wave, and nave in a church. So there's actually quite a lot of words that have the V sound, but they've got an E on the end because, as you might have learnt in school, when you've got an E on the end, it makes the previous vowel long. So wave, nave, trove, save, rave, swerve, verve, live. The only one out of order there is live, which is very unusual. But uh, you've actually spotted something quite important. There's, there are very few words, and there are almost no native English words ending in V, and there's also almost no native words ending in J, which is another one to look out for. Oh, very good. Thank mm -hmm. you very much, well spotted, Bronte. Bronte. Well done. Yeah. Uh, Peter in Belimba uh, with a question, and I think we're, we're just learning so much this afternoon. Hello, Peter. What would, what would you like some help with? Uh, yeah, g'day, Kat. G'day, Rolly. Listen, Rolly, I actually asked you this before, um, years ago, when you're on the radio with Richard Feidler, and literally just as you answered my question, my other phone rang, and I didn't catch the answer. Oh, so, Rob. <laughs> it's been driving me nuts. <clears throat> so, in Germany, uh, the, the local city council houses are called a rat house, or ratus, or however it's pronounced, and I've wondered if that's where English got the word ratify from. 
Uh, no, sorry. Uh, the 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 Rathaus uh, is a the Rat is a sort of a council, and so the city council you know meets in the Rathaus, the council house or the council chamber. Um, whereas the other Rat one that you're talking about, like rationalize and so on, comes from the Latin word ratio, R A T I O, which means reason. And so, you know, the, the two bits of rat have ended up in English with the same spelling and, um, well, sorry, the German rat house hasn't ended up in English. But the, the, there are two words with, with the same spelling but totally different backgrounds. And, all, and our words in English nowadays, like, like um, rationalize, are all from the, from the Latin one through French, uh, meaning something to do with your powers of reason. Well, I thought it was under something there, but it seems I was wrong. Thank you very much. Uh, well, yeah, look, it's, it's worthwhile pursuing because every now and again you will be right, and then the world will go, bing, I see how it's all linked together. <laughs> Thank you so much, Peter. At Belimba, it's almost time for your last word, mm-hmm. uh, Professor, but we will, I think, just have time for one more of the very smart questions from the very smart people at St Sebastian's Primary School, Yoronga. Here is... Ava for you, Rolly. Hi, mm-hmm. my name's Ava, and I was wondering, why is phone spelt with P-H, not F? <laughs> Love that. The phones are obviously very important, Rolly, so why, Absolute. well, why are they, they so are. tricky to spell? Why? Why, Rolly? Okay, the P-H words in English come from Greek. Now, Greek was a, uh, a language which was spoken around Greece between about 800 and 400 BC. And the Greeks were the most fantastic scientists. They basically discovered much of science for the next 2,000 years. And the words that they generated, like physics and pharmacy and phenomenon and alphabet, alpha, beta are the two first letters of the alphabet, and apostrophe and hyphen and phrase, and no, there's lots of them, all with PH. If you find a word that's spelt with F, then it's probably not a Greek word, but it's probably come, it's a good old English word like fan or fail or fine or fin, um, uh, or it might come from French, like farce. But the PH ones are all from Greek. And the reason that they're PH is that when the Romans, who were basically taking over Greek science and saying, we're going to, we like this stuff, we're going to use it too. When they heard the Greek words, they, they heard the older Greek pronunciation, which was in fact, per per so it wasn't physics, it was physics. And that had already started changing in Greek by about 400 BC. And the Romans took the old spelling and they, made, they said, look, this is a Greek word. It's got a lot of prestige. We're going to keep the PH as a sign that this is a Greek word. And that passed from, from Latin through to French, through to us. And we've kept them all nowadays, even though we pronounce them with an F. Well, there we go. I'm so glad you're here to help, Professor, because I wouldn't know where to begin if I had to answer any of those excellent questions. Thank you so much to the students of Year 6 at St. Sebastian's Primary School in Yoronga. If you are a member of a school community or you know a young person who has a love of language, then why don't you get in touch with your questions? I can tell you how. Just send me an email to afternoons.abc.net.au. Professor Rowley, Sussex joining you this afternoon, 20 minutes to three. My name is Kat and Professor, it is time for your last word. Okay, first of all, just thank you to the students. They had some really good questions and uh, we, we hope that some of the other schools will, will feel motivated to have a go too.
All right. This is from Richard Gordon, who was an English novelist who wrote the books which gave the film, remember The Doctor in the House and all those ones? Mm, yeah. Um, of the 60s. All right. And he said about Hemingway, an American writer that he didn't admire very much. He, he got hold of the red meat of the English language and turned it into hamburgers. Oh. Ooh. Skating. Skating. Loves a full stop in a short sentence, does Hemingway? Loves he does. It. He does. Professor, it's been a, pl- a privilege and a pleasure. <laughs> a, a privilege, <laughs> yes. And all of those as well. On your radio and online. At home or on the road. This is ABC Radio.